at the beginning of the year, I set a goal for myself. I wanted to get back into learning Italian. I've uh, known Italian. I started learning it when I was little. I have family who live in Italy, and we are planning a trip this summer to go and visit them and see them. So I thought it would be a helpful thing to get back into this language. So I started a course on Duolingo. This is a language app where you can complete, you can complete a language course over the course of many months. Now, the goal with Duolingo is not so much the number of lessons that you complete in a day, but their desire is actually for you to create a habit of practicing this language multiple days in a row. And if you practice for a couple of days, you start what's called a streak, and the goal is to create as long of a streak as possible, and what this shows is that you're making progress in the language and it's become a habit for you. So I practiced on the first day. I did like a lot of lessons all at once on the first day. Felt great about it. Then I went into the second day, and when I opened up the app, it said something like, um, be part of the 42% who keep on practicing on the second day. And I was like, 42%? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> we can do this. I made it to day four before I broke my streak. I think it was because we had dinner plans. So <laughs> I did not do great at creating the streak and making this a habit. And I would say it's been kind of in fits and starts ever since then. What I realized is that forming new habits and building them into our days is a hard thing. And actually even just adjusting or changing our existing habits, it can be pretty challenging. We're in this sermon series right now called Over and Over and Over, and we're talking about spiritual habits like prayer and hospitality and generosity that can help shape us in body, mind, and spirit more into the likeness of Christ. We're talking about what it means for us to make those regular habits. Today, we are talking about what it means for us to have the Word of God Scripture be a regular voice helping shape and form us in our spiritual lives. And what we'll find as we go deeper into our passage and message this morning is that when we make space for reading Scripture, we open ourselves to a knowing and loving relationship with God. Now, I know all of us in here have different experiences when it comes to reading Scripture. There are some people who every single morning, the first thing you do is that you are reading your Bible and your day feels a little bit off if you don't actually start that way. And there are others who have never opened up a Bible to read it for yourselves. And then I think there's a lot of us who actually live somewhere in between those two realities where we'll set goals for ourselves to like read a certain number of verses every day or make it all the way through one book of a Bible in a certain amount of time, but then a vacation happens or our schedules change and it just gets a little bit hard for us to keep a rhythm of reading scripture. Well, the writers of the Bible actually knew that it would be a bit challenging for us to keep scripture reading a regular habit. And so there is a passage that we are going to study today that gives us both the why it matters for us to read scripture, the answer to like, why should we even do this in the first place? And it gives us a really good how-to guide for making this a regular practice. The passage we're gonna be in this morning is a really important passage. It is the central proclamation of the entire Jewish faith. And for ancient and modern Jews, it is recited twice a day. And in the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 12, a scribe walks up to Jesus and says, 
Jesus, if you could tell me like one verse that is the greatest commandment or that summarizes all of scripture, what would you say? He cites the very passage that we will be in today. This is a crucial verse for us to know. It's found in the book of Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. So this passage begins by telling us why it is so important for us to read scripture and then gives us like very daily practices for how to do this. Now, I know it isn't exactly plainly apparent when we read this verse what the why is, but it's found in the opening verses. We read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Sounds a little funny, doesn't it? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. What exactly do we mean by that? That word in Hebrew for one, like the number one, is echad. Can you say that with me? Echad. It's like if you've got popcorn in your throat. Echad. <laughs> this, uh, this word means the number one, but it also means alone or solely. So differently translated, when we read this verse, what we are actually proclaiming is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. So what this verse does is actually put us in right relationship with who God is. God is the one who is God alone, and therefore we are not. Everything that we have in this life and in this world is meant to be attested and attributed to him. When we look around at what God has provided, all of it is from him. This also means that the other things in our lives that maybe want to creep in and act like they could be God in our lives, like they do have ultimate control and ultimate authority in our lives, they don't. We put them in their right place. So if it's your work that is feeling especially demanding or especially rewarding, or you're feeling really tied to it, and it's maybe starting to take the place of God in your life, when we proclaim, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, we put that in its place. It could be your spouse, it could be your singleness, it could be school, it could be your kids, it could be all kinds of things that try to creep into that role of having primary sovereignty and importance. But when we proclaim that God is God alone, we reorient ourselves into right relationship. And when we recognize that, there really is no other response than to love God like when we recognize that God's the one who's providing all of this, that our very lives are dependent on him, there is no other response than to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, that love pours out. Can you see why this is the central commandment of all of scripture? It puts God where God is meant to be and it calls on us to love him deeply. But here's the thing. We cannot love what we do not know. We cannot love what we do not know. And reading scripture, being in God's word, 
is the only way for us to truly know and experience God. Scripture has incredible functions in our lives, um, but one of them that I think is the most powerful and amazing is that we have the ability to truly gaze at and see God when we open up the pages of Scripture. I, uh, I like taking my daughters to the, the kids' museum a couple of times a month, a month usually. There is an apparatus at the Children's Museum that is, it's like a window that is fogged over, and there's a button next to it. When you press the button, it goes from being foggy to being completely see-through, so you can see who's on the other side. I think I have a video of it. Oh, so there's my daughter. <laughs> and then it goes foggy, and there she is again. <laughs> um, so this window that is fogged over, in many ways, this is an image of how our lives can function and what scripture has the ability to do. We can walk through our lives having a vague sense that God is there. The moment that we open up the pages of the Bible, it's like that button gets pressed. We are able to gaze through and see the very person of God, to see God's face, to see who he is. And the whole purpose of it is for us to be able to go deeper in relationship with him. We have a word for this in our tradition. We call scripture a thing called special revelation. And Jesus Christ and scripture are the only two things that we call special revelation, where you actually like get to know the very person of God, where you can gaze directly at God. There's, there are different ways for us to engage with God and to encounter God. I think like many of us, if we're just out on a good walk in like a beautiful area, we can gaze around us and see the beauty of what's surrounding us. And we can reflect on how amazing God is for making this. That is what is called general revelation. And it puts us into a posture of worship. But what puts us into a posture of knowing is scripture. Scripture allows us to know who God is. What I think can happen when we fall out of a regular habit of reading scripture is that we can shift from having a loving relationship with God, like a personal relationship with God, to what becomes more like distant admiration. We can generally attest to vaguely what we know about God. When we're not in the pages of scripture, we can remember that like God is about love or God's about justice or mercy. These are general attributes that God has and we can love God because of that. But as that personal relationship and engagement fades, so does the love and dependence upon him. It can almost become like how we treat celebrities like if you think about a celebrity that you especially like, a, a movie actor or TV actor or a musician, you can like vaguely generally like their work and admire them for it. We may even kind of know what they stand for. And so we can enjoy them, but we don't actually have a personal relationship with them in any way. Jen Wilkin calls us into this deep relationship and frames it this way. She says, we must make a study of our God, what he loves, what he hates, how he speaks and acts. We cannot imitate a God whose features and habits we have never learned. We must make a study of him if we want to become like him. We must seek his face. This is the work that we do when we go deep into scripture and when this is a regular informant of how we engage with God. Rather than having a celebrity kind of relationship with God, what scripture actually does is I, th I think it can call us more into like a relationship 
kind of like when two people are like falling in love with each other and all they really want to do is like get to know each other better and they're like longing for and seeking more and more of that information and that time together and we can be like oh that's interesting um, <laughs> but, um that's kind of what scripture does is it calls us deeper into relationship with god over the last few months, um, we've been going through some of my grandparents' things. My grandfather passed away this fall. And one of the things that he had saved was a love letter that my grandmother had written to him about six months before they got married. And it was uh, written on a typewriter, typed on a typewriter, um, like on her uh, works letterhead. I don't know. That's fine. Um, <laughs> and, and mailed to him. I want to read just a little clip a little clip of this letter. She wrote, Dear Mr. Reginelli, it is with great pleasure that I am writing. Today I have discovered that I love you more than yesterday, and I have full reason to believe that tomorrow I'll love you more than today. You make me very happy, Mr. Reginelli, very happy indeed. This is the kind of love that scripture is meant to evoke for us. That as we go deeper into these pages, we find ourselves loving God more and more because we're getting to know him better. And then we can have full confidence that as we continue on reading scripture, as we continue going deeper in it, we can have full confidence that we're going to love him more tomorrow because we know God more. This is the way that God reveals himself to us. This big, big book is the way that God tells us who he is and tells us about the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. I'm frequently asked, like, where do I start? Where do I start in scripture? If I'm gonna open up these pages and start going somewhere and start trying to read it, where do I start? And I just say, start, just start. This is God's word. It's God's word and it will guide you. And there may be easier on-ramps into it than others, but this is God's message, 100% of it, is God's message about how he wants to have a relationship with you. From like the very beginning opening pages of Genesis, we see God declaring that he is creator, that he has made every single one of us and that we are his image bearers in the world. That like we actually bear the very physical image of God to one another. And then as we go through the Old Testament, God shows that he's faithful again and again and again, regardless of how faithful we are in return. We get to the prophets and God says that clearly these people need a Messiah. They need someone who can do some saving work that they can't do on their own. And so then we get to the New Testament and God provides Jesus who is that exact Messiah that he had said would be there in the prophets. We experience Jesus, Jesus dies. And when he resurrects, God says, hey, that power that I just used to raise Jesus from the dead, it's now in you. And God then sends his people out and says, this isn't over. I know this is hard, but this isn't over. I have a hope and a future for you. How does that message not evoke deep love, deep relationship as we go deeper into its pages? Eugene Peterson writes about engaging with scripture in this powerful way. And he says that language, reading, is not primarily informational, but revelatory. The holy scriptures give witness to a living voice sounding variously as father, son, and spirit, addressing us personally and involving us personally as participants. This text is not words to be studied in the quiet preserves of a library, but a voice to be believed 
and loved and adored in workplace and playground, on the streets and in the kitchen, receptivity is required. We are meant to receive this, to take this in, to let it form and shape who we are and how we are in the world. So how do we do this? One of uh, the best books that I read last year was called Atomic Habits by James Clear. He writes a whole book on how to shape your habits and form new habits and change your habits. But what he identifies in this book is that there are uh, four things to kind of pay attention to. And the most important and primary thing, if you are wanting to start a new habit or change a habit, are the cues that surround you. The cues that tell your brain to either do or stop doing the very thing that you are wanting to start or stop doing. Well, in our passage today, what we find is an indication that we should pay attention to the cues around us and that those are actually opportunities for us to integrate scripture daily into our lives. Starting in verse 6, Deuteronomy 6, verse 6, we read, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is telling us like very physical things that we should pay attention to if we want to integrate scripture as part of our regular daily lives. And there are three kind of categories of cues that I want us to think about today. For each of us to think about what are these cues and how can I integrate them newly as I go into this coming week. The first are verbal cues, verbal cues. The second are environmental cues, what's going on around us. And the third are physical cues, like physical, tangible things that we can use as cues to remember scripture. So the first thing are verbal cues. The passage starts by saying that we should impress the scriptures upon our children. This means upon your children or upon anyone over whom you have influence. Anyone whom you influence, you can talk about scripture with them and you should be talking about scripture with them. I know this isn't the most natural thing in the world for some of us. If you feel like you are new in the process of being able to talk about scripture, the first thing to do is open it up and start reading. But then also there are really easy on-ramps in this season to be able to start learning scripture or engaging in it newly. Earlier, John and Danielle shared that next week we're starting a series on Galatians, not Revelation. Um, We're starting a series on Galatians. And we'll be in that for all of Lent. Galatians is a book that can be a little hard to get into on your own. So we have a study guide for you to be able to use. But also, if you want to go a little bit deeper in scripture, sign up for a weekly study. And then you know every week you're going to have that ability to talk about this with other people. To have a pastor teach you a little bit about it and to have some discussion about what, this, about what the text is and how it can form you. One little note. To those of you who are parents and do have kids in your home, the best thing you can do if you want them to be scripture readers when they grow up is to read scripture in front of them. 
Study after study is telling us that our kids will likely do what we do. Maybe we'll do what we say, give or take. We don't really know, but they likely will do what you do. And so if you have kids in your home, please read a physical Bible in front of them. If you're reading it on your phone or on an iPad, they don't know what you're doing. So get a Bible, read a physical Bible in front of them if you want them to be people who read their Bibles too. All right. Next thing are environmental cues. This passage tells us to engage scripture when you're at home, when you're out, when you go to bed, and when you wake up. It's just like all the time, just all the time, just read scripture. (laughs) There isn't really much that like falls outside of these parameters, but what it can point us to is our transitions throughout the day. So I know a lot of people who before bed will read a psalm as a way of like calming and quieting their spirits as they fall asleep. There's a whole movement called scripture over scrolling right now. And the goal is to like have you read scripture rather than get on your phone first thing in the morning to let scripture be the first voice for you. Pay attention to those transitions in your days. Maybe you have a, a commute where you're walking to class or you're dropping kids off or something. And uh, what would it look like for you to put on a Bible in a year podcast and just listen to the word of God during that time? These are opportunities for us to create some new habits. And lastly, there are some physical, tangible cues that this passage talks about. It says to physically wrap scripture around your arms and foreheads and to put it on your doorposts and gates. In both ancient and modern Jewish tradition, this is actually practiced. They have things called tefillin, which are wrapped around their arms and put on their foreheads. And there are mezuzahs, which are put on door frames and on gates. These are physical boxes that have parts of Torah scrolls in them. So the word of God is physically on their bodies, and it's like it's soaking in while they're praying and centering their hearts on Scripture. Now, we as Gentile Christians are not meant to appropriate Jewish cultural practices, but it's a good thing for us to think about what physical things do we have in our environment that can cue us toward memorizing scripture, remembering the promises of God. I know some people who will write a verse and put it on the inside of their pantry or inside their medicine cabinet so that every time they go to cook something or to brush their teeth, they're faced with that particular verse and it helps them memorize it. My favorite version of this is that there's now a company called Dwell that has put out a whole series of temporary tattoos that are scripture memorization tattoos. Um, And so in this tattoo, there's um, the first letter of each word in a verse that you're wanting to memorize. And one of our members actually used these for a period of time. She joined their subscription. So I asked her what the experience was like. And she said that as she was memorizing this verse, every time she looked down at her arm, she got sort of an instant encouragement, instant reminder of God's promises. There is no one way to do any of this. There's no one prescription that will fit all of us. What matters is that we pay attention, that we pay attention to our daily rhythms and these cues, knowing that we cannot love what we do not know. And the way to know God is through the pages of scripture. There's no amount that is perfect. More is the goal. More is the goal. What does it look like for you to read scripture and engage with this just a bit more this week. And this isn't for the purposes of puffing ourselves up or like having a lot more knowledge. The purpose is for us to go deeper in relationship with God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we praise you that 
in it and through it, you form us into your likeness. So we pray, God, now that you would allow these seeds that are planted to bear good fruit. Lord, that we would find ways to integrate scripture reading into our day-to-day lives, not for the sake of us just knowing more, but actually for the sake of us falling in love with you more, becoming your disciples in deeper ways. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, that you pursue us, and we have the chance to respond. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.